Open our lips, O God, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. Well, we can't say that we haven't been warned. Jesus says the Son of God will undergo suffering, be rejected by the authorities, and be killed. And if anyone wants to be my disciple, they may, must take up their cross and follow me. And later in our Eucharistic prayer, we will pray, change us more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. As the saying goes, be careful what you pray for. Now all of this starts with Jesus' question about who is he? First, who do people say I am? But then gets to the kind of piercing moment and says, but who do you say that I am? And he asks this question because he knows the whole of it. Everything from this moment rests on the answer to that question. Everything that proceeds from this moment, every decision they make, how they see people and understand people and experience people, how they understand themselves, how they understand God, all of it, everything rests on how they answer, who do you say that I am? Now, it's not a surprise that this question comes at this point in Mark's gospel. We're about midway through, and as I mentioned last week, Jesus has done a number of pretty amazing things. He has healed numerous folks. He has exercised demons. He has fed thousands of people. He has restored people back to their communities who were pulled away from the community, and he has restored communities back to the people that they shunned. He has done all of these things, and it's an opportunity for him to stop with the disciples and say, so what do you think is going on here? What do you think this path is all about? Because the whole thing depends on what you think and how you understand me and how you answer the question. And the same goes for us. Think for a moment, if someone were to walk up to you, maybe someone is at work and they know that you participate in a faith community and a Christian one, and they say, well, so who do you think Jesus is? You're at the grocery store and you're in line and someone sees or recognizes you and says, you participate in a faith community. Who is Jesus? And I want you to just take a few moments of silence and think about if someone were to ask you that question, how would you answer it? Who do you say that Jesus is? How might you respond to that question? Is Jesus a teacher? Is Jesus this wise person? Is Jesus someone who's kind and compassionate? Is Jesus someone who brings healing? Is Jesus someone who restores communities? Is Jesus someone who is a pain in the rear end of the authorities? Is Jesus someone who makes all kinds of folks uncomfortable? I mean, I'm hoping that in part of whatever your answer is, somewhere in your head lodges this aspect of Jesus who, who at times I see as with this kind of Cheshire Cat smile on his face and his response to me is like, Todd, really? And if you're not sure what that means, ask me sometime. The prodding Jesus? Who do you say 
that Jesus is. Well, Peter does well for about 38 seconds. Who are you? You are, you are the one we've been waiting for. There's something in you, there's some union in you, there's some communion about you, there's something about who you are that is different from all the ones who have come before you. You're the one. And then Jesus begins to talk about suffering and dying, and Peter can't help himself because after all, Peter's thinking about the public relations department and the marketing department and all those folks and quick get Jesus out and say, you know, this is not the message. People are not going to be excited about this. They're really not going to want to follow you keep saying this stuff. And the thing about the moment for Jesus with Peter is he himself has to be tempted by what Peter's saying. He himself is looking around at all that's happening, not all the great things, but also the resistance and the rejection. And there's got to be a part of him that wants to say, you know, you're right, Peter. Let's just stay with all the happy stuff. Let's just stay with all the kind stuff that that makes people smile. And we can kind of just set up shop and and ride this wave, and it'll be a whole lot easier. Because this question about who do you say that I am, really at some of its heart, isn't just for them. It's also for Jesus himself. I mean, if he is human like us, he's got to be figuring out who am I and what is all this power and all this stuff? What is this? And so he himself is having to answer that question. And he looks at Peter and he says, I know the siren song of this. Stop. Just stop right now. Because if I listen to it for another minute, I'm going to probably join you. Let's just take the simple way. We don't want to cause trouble. We don't want to say things that will demand difficult things in people's lives. We certainly don't want to bring any kind of a scandal or stuff that people might say, hmm, I don't know about that. We don't want to bring conflict. Let's just stay on nice Jesus. But Jesus understands that the way that they, and even Jesus answers the question, who is Jesus? Well, all of it depends on how they answer it, even Jesus. So as I was thinking about this statement of Jesus also, take up your cross and lose your life, and what that means. And first I want to say what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean somehow conceding who you are, complying with what others expect of you, somehow acquiescing to, okay, I'll, just, I'll be the one to just give up myself here so you can... I mean, if you want an example of that, think about what men have been doing to women since time began. If you guys just get out of the way and let us have our space, then we'll feel good. I'm sure you've never experienced that in your life, either the men or the women. That's not losing your life, that's sickness. That's not at all what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is talking about is about our expectations. Jesus is talking about emptying ourselves. And that this path of God, this path of God, if we are to stay on it and follow the way of God and the call of God, means constantly emptying ourselves again and again and again. Emptying ourselves of the expectations of who God is and what God's supposed to do for us. Emptying our expectations of what other people are supposed to do for us. Emptying all of that 
so that we can hear what God is truly saying and what God is truly inviting. When we break that bread at the altar, we're saying, this is what brings the life. But if we're standing around like this, clutching to what we think about ourselves, clutching to relationships, clutching to all our expectations of God, then nothing can get in. And so what Jesus is saying is, you have to loosen, you have to lose your life. But you do it like Jesus. You don't let people beat on you. You say, I will open and lay down and lose my life because of something else that I'm experiencing. See, Jesus is already calling. (laughs) Doggone it, I thought I could get through the sermon without him asking for something. And Jesus can say this to us because Jesus is doing this. This isn't some pietistic statement gotten from a tablet. Think about last week's gospel with the Syrophoenician woman where she confronts Jesus on his race and his bias when he drops the racial slur to her and she corrects him and he has to go, oh my, I have to lose what I thought God was about. I have to lose what I thought I was about and what we're about, ma'am. But the thing that he experiences in her is a communion and a union that before that time he didn't have. And so he's not just saying lose your life as some kind of from on high. He's saying lose your life because look what happens when we do. Jesus is saying lose your life because when the woman comes and grabs the robe who has no right to grab his robe to be healed because he engages her, He's found communion and union, which is what the called one, the Messiah, that's what it's all about. Lose your life. Empty your life again and again because then what God has for you will continue to fill up that space. He's describing a journey that he's chosen because in the healings and the exorcisms, it's not just about making people happy it's about the restoration of all the relationships and that's something Jesus is feeding on we only find it when we offer ourselves to one another and to God take up your cross lose your life because you will find it What seems to be happening to Jesus, this midway point in Mark's gospel, is that he's getting a certain clarity about himself and about what God's ideal for life on this planet is all about. He's seen the crowds. He's seen the healings. He's seen the resistance. He's seen what the authorities are up to. And he knows the story. He knows where this is going. Know that there will be rejection. Know that there will be death. But remember what our ancestors said whenever they lost their lives and opened their lives, they found it. And whenever they clutched it and clutched down to their power and all that other stuff, it always fell apart. Jesus is offering this today because he has tasted the life of God with the encounters of all the human beings he meets. And he can't let it go. 
And he knows it's going to make the authorities nuts. And he knows what happens to prophets. But he can't let go of the taste. He can't let go of the integrity. He can't let go of the union that he keeps finding as he empties himself again and again. He's finding a clarity about his path and his calling and what it takes. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do we, as a faith community, say Jesus is? The whole thing rests on our answer.